Chuck and Julie, bringing you the truth straight up. I'm Julie Hagan. I'm working at... An Emmy-winning former investigative reporter, a highly successful trial attorney, and publisher of a major Denver-area newspaper. They've been partners as talk show hosts and in marriage as parents for over 10 years, providing thought-provoking information, opinion, and entertainment live, local, and interactive. Everyone's voice is always welcome on the Chuck and Julie Show. And hello, everybody. Welcome to the Chuck and Julie Show. Julie Hayden, Chuck Bonnie. Well, I said my name first there, Chuck. <laughs> Truth straight up. Chuck is uh, broadcasting live today from the Glendale Cherry Creek Chronicle World Headquarters. He's got big lawyer legally meetings going on this afternoon. Um, I think if, I'm going to just a quick note. We have John Conlon coming up with a great column um, the show brought to you as always by americacitizenpress.com and Denver Cynogenics and Dr. Julie McCallan. Before the show, Jacob was kind of chatting with us back and forth. I think maybe on party Friday, we'll go live from Jacob's house because um, Jacob does Toll House cookie days. <laughs> and uh, although if it were our house, the Toll House cookies would be totally gone by Friday, huh? Yeah, well, especially if, if Oscar got a hold of him. Yeah, that's right. Our, my daughter's dog eats all kinds of things. Um, anyway, it's a good show today coming up. We've got John Conlon. He has a great column up in um, American Greatness, AM Greatness, titled I'm Calling BS. I'm going to go through with him all the things that he's going to call BS about. And actually, in the di- couple of days between the time he wrote the column and we've got him booked for the show, there are even more things to call BS on, like monkeypox, by the way. Um, and then at um, 3.30, we've got Sue Moore coming up. She's with Colorado Liberty Republicans. We've had her on many times before in the Liberty Scorecard. Um, You're going to be shocked to find out how few people um, in the Colorado legislature, Republicans included, um, got passing grades from a Liberty point of view. Uh, But I see we have John with us right now. John Conlon, great columnist. I called him. He had a great column up in AM Greatness over the weekend. Um, John, hey, thank you for your time once again. Welcome to the show. Hey, John. Thanks for having me. So, yeah, I was, I've been promoting this, John. This is the BS Hour, the Chuck and Julie Show <laughs> BS Hour, your suggestion. Your column is titled, I'm calling, and pardon my language here, but I'm calling bullshit. And you talk about all the things the progressive left and under the Biden administration that there are to call BS about. I think we'd need a couple more hours to kind of... Right, right. yeah. <laughs> but why don't you kind of, John, start off with, you know, talking about some of the things you mentioned in your column and why they are indeed BS and why we need to call them out on it. Oh, sure. Well, I kind of start with, you know, the left has this thing about taking some feature of an individual. They're black, they're white, they're gay, they're Republicans, they're whatever. And then, and then they create a group out of it, and they act like this group is real, and it has, and they give it emotions and motivations and even agency. Though It's bullshit. Those groups don't exist. There are only individuals, you know? Yeah. You're, you're a woman. You don't speak for all women. Some women believe this. Some women believe that. Some women believe they're guys. You know, right. um, that's I, I call bullshit on the entire trans movement. You know, as a scientific fact, there's no such thing as transgendered people. There are certainly people who feel something very strongly and interpret this, although often with a lot of help from outside sources. Yeah. Uh, you know, being one gender trapped in another, but that doesn't make it so. So you know. We need to stop talking about transgendered people and their rights, because that only leads to stupidity, like men competing in women's sports, or recently menstrual products in high school boys' bathrooms, or or the insanity of not even being able to determine who is a male or a female. Right. Well, and I'm going to go even further. I'm going to my, my sister, hopefully she doesn't listen because she'd be like, I can't believe you're retelling this story. But my sister, it, it's not just different sexes now that they've got kids talking about. You can even be a completely different species now just because you feel like it. <laughs> my sister works at a middle school. I won't say in what state, but it's a progressive state. Um, and God bless her and the school because they're kind of holding the line. She said the other day they had a girl who came in and she said she identified as a bunny. So she wanted some specific treatment for a bunny. And my sister told her, if you're a bunny, you have to go home or sit in a cage under, a, under the law of the state we're in. Um, bunnies and wild animals can't roam the hallway. So you either have to go home or you have to be in a cage, which is it. And then the girl said, well, I'm going to tell my parents. And my sister said, go ahead. Go ahead and tell your parents. If your parents think you're a bunny, great. But you still have to follow the bunny rules. And so the girl said, never mind, and went and sat down. So that's a kind of thing, you know, rather than getting all 
upset and saying, oh, she's a bunny. We better not offend her. Calling BS on it and saying, you know, you're not actually a bunny. And if you are, then you can't be in school, you know? Right. It's like we've too many in our society have just turned off their brains. Yes. Uh, You know, uh, the gender fluidity movement. You know, there's only... uh, uh, gender fluid and, you know, because I'm so lovable, I say, you know, my pronouns are stop being an idiot. Yes. Uh, you know, and and uh, my wife also works at a school and um, she was heartbroken once the masks came off because she had some uh, senior girls who were growing beards. I mean... Oh. <laughs> it, 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 it's in, it's insane, you know. And you know, I call bullshit on the whole white supremacy idea. You know that the, the number of white supremacists in this country probably majors numbers in the hundreds, and the country wasn't built on it or no, no, doesn't influence very much. And if you really follow that thinking down, where the left is. Generally, what they're talking about is not white supremacy, it's black inferiority, and, and that is a disgusting thing, but it's, they push it all the time. Uh, well, you know, I call was... bullshit on leftist economics, you know, as, as Frederick Hayek noted, if socialists understood economics, they wouldn't be socialists. Well, you know, what they managed to do is to give it a group response as opposed to individuals, they call it a community. Everything's a community, the LBGTQ. Right. Well, it's community, this community, this community, as if they, they have some uh, specific um, group think. Through and, they, and they always speak for the community. It's like it's yeah. their own little sock puppet. They can give right. it whatever emotions, you know. If they like it, you, this group is good. If they don't like you, then this group is bad. And, well, and, and the community I, can get its feelings hurt very much. The LGBT well, community is very hurt by some statement by somebody or so-and-so with, community is is outraged by a b well, and it's and it's all fueled i think by like with the twitter world and social media world these fake accounts which is one of the reasons i'm calling bs on the fact that they think that they have this you know sort of number one this moral superiority to the rest of us but any kind of um big reach right i call bs on the whole fact that that there are a ton of people out there who actually believe what the twitter world would have you believe there's probably like five sitting at bot farms spewing out all of this bs with without a doubt and for for twitter yeah i mean a very small percentage of people drive where twitter historically has gone and they're very very left-wing that's I, i've always shaken my head with businesses who act like that's like a pole of America. It's so right. far from a pole of America, uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, back in the white supremacy, I remember years ago, um, I mean, there were, right? There was a group of whites, they called themselves white supremacists. They killed um, a, a guy by the name of Omar John, African immigrant. The guy, the main guy, um, Nathan Phil, confessed to me, right? He was an actual skinhead, right? But there were like five of them in the entire yeah, exactly. state. Exactly. I mean, and it would be, and I know this because as a reporter, you love, well, you know, skinhead stories and you try to find skinheads and you just couldn't. There aren't any. I mean, there are like five and they're all in prison right now. And, and even then, what they really had were serious mental health issues, right? It wasn't some firmly held research belief that they had. They were just, they had mental health issues and they got caught up in it. They could have just as easily been Black Lives Matter people. It was just whoever, you know, they kind well, of- Well, and now they've them. come up with, with one kind of just barely short of that, a white nationalist. Right. You know, what does that cover? I mean, you know, in South Africa, they had white nationalists, but what, which group of people are advocating for white homeland in the United States? That's another five people in the whole unit. But they- they can call you a white nationalist, and you kind of go, uh, no, no, but it doesn't matter. It's just as good. So white supremacists, white nationalists, nationalists, which is their shorter version of white nationalists. And, but they're great at, at giving tags to people. I mean, they really are great at it. Uh, exactly. And I think that that's where my calling bullshit kind of started. It's We, we start with these arguments and already – falsehood is baked into it from the start. So we need to call bullshit on it from the start and just say, you know, I'm not going to discuss this because it's not based on anything true. You know, 
blacks don't think a certain way. Whites don't think a certain way. Yes, 60%, but according to polling, if you can believe the polls, which you can't, you know, might believe one thing. Yeah, but that means 40% don't. And we're talking huge numbers. There are only individuals out there. That is the only, you know, physical reality of humans. Well, and here's another thing to call BS about is, uh, you know, uh, you see everywhere you turn anymore, there's monkeypox, monkeypox, right? <laughs> Joe Biden says monkeypox, we all need to be concerned about. And then AP put out a story that was picked up. I'll give credit. This was picked up sometime that what they think is this whole monkeypox thing is traced back to a couple of massive sexual gay rave parties in Europe <laughs> and that the whole thing that, that, that monkey pox, it's not like COVID. We don't need lockdowns. You know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, that, that at least this is the AP is quoting the WHO as saying that this is largely tied to gay sex on, at these rave parties and then spreading out to other rave parties and spas. And we don't need to get into some of that in too much detail. But the point is, when Joe Biden says that we all need to be worried about it, the reality is, actually, no, we don't all need to be worried about it. Not even to mention the fact that prior to 1972, we've all been vaccinated against it. There is a vaccine, et cetera, et cetera. It's not fatal. It's not fatal. But, but you know, they're going to push it. And if you call BS on it, I guarantee that somehow you're a racist, you're homophobic, you're a white nationalist or something. Yep, exactly. Well, then that was another one that I called bullshit on. This whole idea that our political representatives are our leaders. Yeah, you know, right. I, I, I want to like know when we, when we made that change, because I missed the vote and I don't think my parents voted on it, you know. Political representatives are just that, representatives of the people, not our leaders. Most of them couldn't lead their weight out out of a wet paper bag, and uh, a lot of our societal problems come from them trying to be be the leaders. And and back to your monkeypox things, good old Dr. Fauci was involved in the AIDS situation, which was exactly the same way when they knew early on that the the way to get AIDS was either through homosexual, male homosexual sex, or intravenous drug use. But they were pushing the idea that it's going to go into the heterosexual population and everyone's at risk, blah, 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 uh, just trying to frighten people to expand their power, just like they did with COVID. Right. Well, what do you, oh, let no, me ask Fauci you. managed to, to, you know, isolate uh, people with HIV so they died alone, just like he isolated people for COVID so they died alone. I mean, he has, he has a long record of torturing the objects of, of his curiosity. Well, they, and, but in Belgium, they're making people quarantine with monkeypox, right? Even though, although it, it looks bad, right? It's, as I understand it, no, you know, you don't need to be quarantined for weeks. Let me read just a couple of comments. This is from Steven. Can I identify as a major league baseball player and force a major league team to sign me for a league minimum of 500,000 plus? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And from Jacob, Fauci was hired by the CDC to find a vaccine for HIV and here we are. Well, and it's, and, and John, we're talking with John Collin, um, author of a column in AM Greatness, I'm Calling Bullshit. You know, and John, I think one of the things that, that I really liked about your column, and like Chuck said, we could go on for days, all the things we need to raise the BS flag about, but how important it is to actually call it. Because they've spent a lot of time and energy trying to get people canceled, get people fired, trying to make it as difficult and as painful as possible for people to call BS. But, but I think that people, it, it's starting to turn, I think. I, I, think, I think you're correct. And, and like I said, my point is we can't get too far into this sock puppet world and then fight that fight because we will lose that argument because they're controlling the sock puppet. So let's just call it straight out. The sock puppet doesn't exist. I'm not going to debate it with you. I'm not going to argue with you. It's bullshit. You know, our society seems to be in a slow motion suicide. And a lot of us, you too, me, and, and probably every one of your listeners, doesn't think it's preordained, and we're not going to just sit back and let it happen. We need, we need to fight back, and the way we fight back is calling bullshit. It doesn't have to be angry bullshit. It's just like when your buddy tells his fish story that gets out of whack. You know, you just say bullshit. You know, either back that up with some facts or, you know, shut up. 
<laughs> years ago, here's a funny story. So Chuck is like, he knows everything about everything. And when we were first dating, I was telling a story about, um, I won't even go into it, but it was a, a story about an island somewhere that we visited. And I was talking about that it was a, its own country and stuff like that. Now, in my family, we're all Irish, and we would refer to this as Blarney basically. Right. Um, right. And, and I'm going to tell this story and Chuck just goes, well, that's not true. And I look up at him and I'm like, what? And he goes, well, that's not true. It's not a country at all. I'm like, yes, it is. And he goes, no, it isn't. And I'm like, Chuck, you're wrecking this story. So there's different kinds of blarney, but you're right. People like Chuck way back when he was like, I know Julie, that's not a country. And you're not going to sit here and talk about its government when it's not a country, but that's what the left wants us to do. Right. We're supposed to get into this debate. Now should we like down over monkeypox and we're all going to get it when everyone knows that's not even remotely true. Right, exactly. They get you into discussing, you know, whether quarantine's a good idea versus whether uh, there's a risk at all from the right. whole from the whole thing. Uh, and, and I, and I love to, you know, so there's only so much me. time on on the or many words you can write on this, but you know, I call bullshit that there's a crisis on our southern border. There's no crisis on our southern border. There is a strategy being executed. We don't like it. Some of us don't like it and scream and yell. But to continually call it a crisis, you know, a crisis is something I can't control. Something crisis is something I'm fighting against. There's no crisis at the southern border. Just like Joe Biden isn't running uh, this this country. I mean, that, that that's that's clear. It's bullshit. Let's not start with that. Joe Biden's calling the shots in the in the country. I'd like to know who it is because this is supposedly a representative republic, but. Um, I, you know, it's not well, the case. Well, you know, the, the greatest thing about being a leftist is you don't have to um, deal in facts or anything else, and that's that's because they can do things. Like, well, that's my truth, right? You can kind of go, well, my truth. That's that's a, that's a <laughs> nation. It's my truth that it's an nation. And if you tomorrow. question my truth, then you're being microaggressive and you're triggering yes. me, right? Yeah, like, right. White supremacy techniques of truth, which as we know is a white supremacy. Because you see that guy who attacked the comedian, Dave Chappelle, said, well, he was triggered by the jokes. Like, somehow that's okay. It's like, well, yeah, but it's like, in this adult, in this country, in this world, one of the things you're supposed to do is learn to control your trigger. I get triggered by, like, people taking too long at the grocery store line, right? But it's like, I'm like, but you have to, like, learn to deal with that. That's right. I I get triggered by jokes about, you know, balding old fat guys. (laughs) Um, but, but you don't, I, I you just don't have to live with that. That's just the way it is. You know, another thing, too, that we can call BS on is the Biden administration. I mean, inflation is transitory, is temporary. Um, we can't do anything about the gas prices. And you're absolutely Putin, right. Putin did it. I, I yeah. love when Jennifer Granholm goes in front of the Senate Resource Committee and keeps on blaming it on Putin's war. And they keep on going, stop doing that. It's a lie. It's not true. And she just sits there. It's my truth. Yeah. <laughs> well, what are what are some other things that you call BS on that you think people should be aware of? Well, that, that for you know Second Amendment fans, for the concept that lefties always think if we pass more laws, it will somehow affect criminals' behavior, and you know that that's BS. <laughs> it's not. It's not going to happen, and it's a common argument when they try want to restrict and erase our Second Amendment rights. As I note in the piece. There are over 40, 400 million legally owned guns in this country and trillions of rounds in, of ammunition. You know, if law-abiding uh, citizens were the problem, you'd know it. Uh, yeah. Right, right. Right. Well, know, and you know, another uh, thing... Another thing, too, is a whole Roe versus Wade abortion, right? They're saying, you're right, it's absolute BS that it's going to set women's rights back. Whatever abortion has to do with women's rights anyway, I would call that whole argument in its way a BS. But, you know, Colorado has one of the most progressive abortion laws in the country. And you've got all these woke companies saying, oh, well, we're going to send our employees. We'll pay for them to go to other states to get abortions. Number one, I got to wonder how many of their employees are getting abortions, right? Um, You got to wonder how many are in state where they can't get an abortion. And then they talk about how pretty soon they're going to take away gay marriage and all this. It's just like, it's all BS, as you've said. Well, my, when I heard that one, I was incredibly offended about, about the, the corporations paying for you know, travel. My, my wife had leukemia about 12 years ago, a very nasty, 
terrible, terrible thing. And I just look at that and say, okay, are you going to pay for people's travel to cancer uh, mm-hmm. centers? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that, that's a hell of a lot more important than an abortion, isn't it? Uh, it affects a lot more people. Yeah, it, it, exactly. Are you going to pay, you know, my, I'm, I'm grieving. My grandparent died in California. You're going to send me there. My kid just broke his arm someplace. Are you going to send me there? Um, no, because it's abortion, we have to do it. You know, you call bullshit, I mean, the abortion, let's go there. It's bullshit that removing it, Roe versus Wade, is going to do anything other than kick the issue down to the states and the individual, which where it should have been a long time ago. Europe doesn't have this problem because Europeans had, the, had it politically settled. They didn't have a Supreme Court say, we're deciding for you and there's nothing you can do about it. Right. Well, and the other thing I was reading this too, somehow or another, well, and again, because it's all BS, I mean, the life is so much simpler if you can just make stuff up as you go along and then get offended and call people names if they, and stomp your feet if they disagree with you or call you out on it. But they're now saying that somehow or another, this is all tied, like white people um, supporting the overturning of Roe versus Wade is racist because it's, it's, they're, they're worried about being replaced, which not even is just BS in the first place, but it's even factually incorrect, right? The vast majority of abortions occur with black women. So you'd think it'd be just the opposite. You'd think if it was racist. Well, Mer- <laughs> um, Sanger, who founded Planned Parenthood and everything else, very much wanted to keep the black population down. And that's why she wanted to have abortion. Um, right. So that's that's the reason she started the organization. And that's the reason 80%, 80% of all Planned Parenthood uh, facilities are right on the edge of heavily minority areas. Right. I mean, they, they understand uh, what they're doing. And now, to go off on a tangent, now Planned Parenthood's getting into making money off the gender transitioning phase, too. Right, right. Well, and, you know, and I think one of the reasons it's so important to cry BS and raise the BS flag is particularly as we're having these issues impact kids at schools and, and younger young kids, right. Um, who may not know. And it's important that I think as adults that we raise the BS flag and say, look, I call BS on that. Change my mind if you can, but I call BS on that and let kids know you don't have to just accept it because your teacher tells you or your best friend tells you, or you heard it, you know, on the playground, um, you can call BS on stuff that doesn't make sense to you. And again, if you can change my mind and prove me wrong, then okay. But on so many of these things, and and I think, John, it, it, and I commend you for the article, because as Chuck and I firsthand know, it's not easy to raise the BS flag, you know, and have everybody go against you. Right. Well, you know, uh, we, we have to fight the good fight. And then going back to the topic you just touched on, you know, I call BS in the idea that government has to run our public K through 12 education. I'm a, I'm a fan of public education. If from a societal standpoint, it makes sense. But there is no damn reason that those schools have to be run by the government. They've been failing this country for at least 60 years. And if they were truly doing their job, our collective bullshit list would be considerably shorter. Well, and here's the thing. We were just talking about this. I'll give our um, son goes to the Academy of Charter Schools here in Westminster. And when they started out the year, they were all basically after the whole COVID stuff at grade level with reading and math. Right. Well, now they just got the results back. And Rev and a lot of the other kids in this class, he was in fifth grade. He's at an eighth grade math level, a seventh grade reading level. Right. They managed to bring it back and a lot of emphasis and a lot of communication with parents about this. We have friends in Denver public schools where they're they're What? How much? Chuck? They're way behind. And the whole Denver public school board doesn't care at all. They're just worried, you know, about pronouns and my, you know, and and teachers teachers' rights and things like that. I mean, how you we were talking about this the other day, right? The Denver's kids in general are way behind grade level. And they'll level, never right? catch up. And they will that, never. Exactly. You're, you're only seven years old once. You're only 12-year-old yeah. old, old once. They'll never catch up. And somehow that's acceptable. It, it, in this country, the average black kid graduates with an eighth-grade education. Not a 12th grade, an 8th grade education. Do you think that might drive some of the societal issues that confront these people when they grow up? You know, every, every, you know, every Monday we get to hear how many uh, people got shot in Chicago. How right. many of those 
men, they're all young men, have crappy educations and have no futures. I would say damn close to 100% of them. Yes. It's wrong. It is wrong, and you need to call BS on it. And, you know, and, and again, you get places like Denver. I've come to the conclusion a place like Denver deserves what it gets. When you have, if you're a parent and you're saying, well, you know, I, my, I, I need to get my Black Lives Matter and I stand with Ukraine flag up, I don't have time to worry about the fact that my fifth grader is reading at a third grade level. I mean, you know, hopefully someday the kids will turn around and call BS on their parents and say, where were you? Why were you not standing up for me? You know, let's deal with me first and help out your kids. And then we can worry about everybody in Ukraine. I, I, I agree, but the, the, what drives a lot of that is this is multi-generational failure of our, of our K-12 through system. A lot of those parents you were just complaining about, rightly complaining about, but they don't read very well. If you're, if you're a poor reader, you're not going to have any books in your house. So therefore, when you have a child, what's the odds that you're going to sit and read with the child? So it's very pernicious how it just goes generation to generation. And it, you know, it's, it, it's easy to say, well, those parents should step to the plate. But if they don't have the personal resources, and I'm not talking money, I'm talking the, the mental resources, the training, the, the education, what, what can they do? That's where the public edu- school system is supposed to step in. They're supposed to say, hey, even if mom and dad are as dumb as fence posts, maybe even if mom and dad don't give a damn about their kids' education, we do, and we're going to give our best to give these kids at least a shot. And we are not giving them a shot. No. Well, and I think there is going to be the more that people, and I think we're starting to see this, right, with the whole disinformation boards, right? Because you calling BS, I mean, everything you call BS on is disinformation, but it's stuff that the government is putting out. And the more people stand up, I I worry that the more we're going to see these disinformation boards and the harder they're going to make it or the more painful they're going to try to make it for people to raise the BS flag. Oh, yeah, the, the, the fight will get worse before it gets better, without a doubt. Well, if, 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 you, if, you, if you're a child and your parents don't give a shit about education, the likelihood that the institution's going to be able to turn that around um, is, is slim. Now, some I will, agree. Some will, but, but the odds are pretty slim that it's, that it's going gonna, it's gonna to take hold because the kid will come home and the parents going, what the hell are you looking at that stupid book for? You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's society is, is, is amazing. Um, and the fact that, that uh, the liberals have destroyed the fa- black family and now all families um, is, as, is as, really- part of a, as part of an, of a, a strategy they executed, you know, it's just like our crisis at the border. That wasn't an accident. They purposely destroyed poor people's family, focusing specifically on the black family. Right. Well, because they want everybody to be, that's why they want the immigration, right? It's not so much replacement theory it, 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 in terms of replacing white people culturally. They just want to replace conservative voters. I think they don't, they don't really care where you're from. or I mean, that's what that, yeah, there they, really they is. Want, a replacement. They don't like those Cuban voters either. <laughs> no, exactly. It has not, it has only to do, and they want you to be dependent. And you know what, John, just a couple of final questions. My sense is, is that this cuts across the board politically, right? This isn't just the people who are perpetuating some of these lies and profiting from some of these lies. It's not just, although it's mostly Democrats, I think there's some establishment Republicans who are at the, at the trough too. Oh, oh, without a without a doubt, yeah. For you know, I, I ran into that fighting in the school choice movement. A lot of the people in school choice movement, it's not that they want to fundamentally change it; they just want to be the ones driving the bus. Yeah. And there's a lot of Republicans who are exactly the same way. They don't believe in anything other than I should be the guy with my snout in the trough and my friends this time and next time. You, it can be your friends, but. Um, but, well, it, but, you know, the, 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 the battle's out there, and I think we just, like I said, we need to raise our voices, call bullshit on the idea. We do not need to sit back and let this slow-motion suicide happen. We don't need our kids' lives destroyed by, by insane beliefs. Um, and the only way to stop it is to stand up and call bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> and there you go. There John Conlon, the great column is AM Greatness. Where else, John, can people find out about you and read some of your things? Uh, they can go to uh, my nonprofit, which is eicenterprises.org. I have a list of all my 
past articles there, or they can probably just search for my name, John Conlon. I'm pretty easily found. There you go. Hey, well, and this thank is kind you, of John, fun. for coming on. We Wait, let me just tell you. Let him tell him this real quick. Leo was saying he's taking a drink every time we all say BS. He loves it. So, <laughs> all right, John. Thank you. Take care, John. Thank you, guys, and have a good day. You too. All right. That, that is the BS half hour. There, take another drink there, Leo, with Chuck and Julie. And I now see we have Sue Moore with um, Colorado Liberty Republicans and the Liberty Scorecard joining us on Zoom. Hey, Sue, thank you for your time this afternoon. Hey, thanks for having me, Julie. Chuck, I appreciate the time. Hey, we appreciate what you do. So I looked at the thing and, uh, you know, your Liberty Scorecard. Well, let me actually let me start out by having you before we get into the results. Explain to folks who you are, what it is and how you do it. Right. Yeah. So the Liberty Scorecard is produced by the Colorado Liberty Republicans. We're a 501c4. And basically what we do is we we actually read all the bills as they're coming through the legislature. We uh, I have a committee of people. Um, uh, if you don't mind, I'll name them Steve Jorman, sure. Victoria Partridge, Tim Neville, Carl Honiger. Uh, we've had a couple of other people who've helped us out Um uh, from one week to the next. But anyway, on a weekly basis, we read all the bills that are coming through. And then we apply our principles of individual rights, free markets, and limited government to each of the bills. And then we come up with a rating, either support or oppose. And then we compare our positions with each of the legislators. And uh, ultimately, we run a scorecard, um, the results of which I'm sure you have a copy of. But um, Yeah, so at the end of the session, we kind of rate everybody, we give them a a grade, and then let the chips fall where they may. But that's, that's the process. There's a lot more that goes into it behind the scenes. Uh, A lot of time is spent every week, reading bills, listening to testimony, uh, examining fiscal notes, putting a lot of thought and effort into it, and then conference calls that happen on a weekly basis. So that's mechanically how it works. And well, and to, to clarify for folks, because it's not, you're you're totally upfront about the political principles, the liberty principles you look at. What you do are rate the bills, and then you go back and look at how individual legislators voted on those bills, right? So it's not weighted because we all like Patrick Neville or anything like that. It's, it just depends on how you vote on the bills based on your rankings of the bills, right? Exactly. And we, we collect committee votes, final committee votes, and then we collect uh, third reading votes on the chamber of each floor. So we're really just collecting a lot of data points. And ultimately, we get at least you know, somewhere in the, the range of 450 to 460 votes per legislator. So it's a lot of data points. Yeah, if we miss a, you know, something if we biff on something here or there, you know, we're not perfect, but we think that it paints a pretty accurate picture of how these people are voting according to these principles. Well, and let me one thing else to bring up, um, um, and that is what's important about voting on committees and then the the committee votes, correct me if I'm wrong here, but sometimes as a legislator, you might not actually, you can vote for or against something to be safe, knowing it's either going to pass or not pass because of the, the numbers. But in committee, a lot of times your individual vote has more impact there because it's got to get out of committee first, right? Yeah, exactly. And we don't, you know, we don't, there's no way that we can know what's going on behind the scenes and within the caucus meetings, So we, like I said, we just collect the data and we actually put out an email each week. We send it to all the legislators saying, these are the bills we've rated this week. These are the positions that we've taken. These are the principles that we've applied to those either support or oppose or violate or support, I'd say. So, uh, so they know what we're thinking. They know how we're, how we're looking at the bill and how we feel about that. And then they, you know, they can do whatever they want. But I can tell you that you know, I send these, I generally send these emails out on a Monday or a Tuesday morning, and the open rate is pretty high. It's usually yeah. 60, sometimes up to 90%. So, so we know, that, and that's even Democrats, they're opening right. it, they're curious, maybe, you know, sometimes they'll sponsor a bill that we think is a, a good bill. So I think they're kind of curious. Or they'll have to say, oh, no, I thought this was a good bill. But if the Republic, <laughs> if, if Sue Moore liked it, then I better be against it. Well, yeah. let me ask you, drumroll, the results. Who, who is the top person? Sure. Well, this year it was Patrick Neville. Yay. Uh, yeah. So he got an A. Shane Sandridge, Dave Williams, and Stephanie Luck were, all the, were the four A's on the scorecard. Then we had a few B's or a couple B's, actually, Kim Ransom and Kevin Van Winkle. And I want to emphasize that our, our standards are very high. Uh, you know, we, we apply these principles pretty strictly. So to get an A is a, a huge deal. To get a B is really good. To get a C 
ain't bad. You know, the D's and the F's we're, we're, you know, somewhat disappointed with, but, but again, it's, we don't, it's nothing personal. We don't try and target anyone. We, we generally try not to call anybody out for a bad, but well, we just don't because we want right. this to be useful to these people. We want them to actually pay attention. We don't want to antagonize anyone. Um, so, but again, you know, if you get an A, B or a C, we think you're pretty great. Um, and this yeah. is, let me ask you this out of how many legislators total, I know I should know this, but well, there are a hundred. Okay. And so we had five A's. <laughs> We had four A's, four A's, <laughs> two B's, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven C's, one, two, three, say eight, nine D's, and then the rest are F's on the well, There we go. So that all the, all the Democrats score F's, not even, they can't even sniff a D. Well, I also noticed Barb Kirkmeyer was an F as well. Um, I believe so. Yes. Yeah. She's a Republican out of Weld County. It's just saying. Yes. Yep. And, and then who was the grand loser for, uh, I can probably guess, but you know, who was the grand Chuck, loser among Republicans? I know this will come as a surprise to you, Chuck, but it was Kevin Priola. Yeah, <laughs> well, and it's not funny because here's the thing. What this means is essentially that these people are, they might as well be in the Democrat caucus. I mean, is that the way they vote? Yeah, I mean, Kevin Priola had a 25. The highest Democrat was Dylan Roberts with a 16. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there is a gap there. Um, okay. The other thing that I think is interesting is that the Democrat n- numbers range from like a seven to a 16. So they, they really mu- pretty much vote as a block. They've got their marching orders. They know how, how they're expected to vote and they do that. But we go everywhere from a 97 to a 25. So there's a lot of independent thinking, independent voting going on. I don't know what you do with that information, but it's, I just think that's an interesting trend. And how does this compare to prior years? Yeah. Um, you know, Patrick Neville is one, he's been our top scorer for three out of the four years that we've been running the scorecard. But more in the sense of how many A's, B's and C's as compared uh, to- You know, I was just looking at that. We didn't have any A's the first year that we ran the scorecard. Mm. And I, I know I've mentioned this, but Principles of Liberty was the organization right. that ran the scorecard from 2011 until 2018. We picked it up in 2019 with the same methodology, with the blessing of Rich Bratton, who developed the methodology. Right. So we've kind of continued that. I don't think we've changed it a whole lot. But the very first year that we ran it in 2019, the high score was a B. And Let me, in terms of the bills themselves, do you have any sense of, I mean, we have right now, the Democrats control everything in Colorado and they control it handily, right? They don't, they don't really have to, it's not like the Senate where there could be swing votes either way that are going to make a difference. Have you noticed in terms of your rating, I mean, are the bills getting worse and worse and worse from a liberty point of view, or is it about the same or any sense of that? You know, this year was bad last, I mean, the answer is not really. They've been bad for a long time. Yeah, it's all horrible. Okay. It's yeah, it's all pretty bad. You know, just the, um, the focus changes this year, there were a lot of bills on affordable housing, trying to fund that, figure out how to put more money into that. There was a lot of bills to fight crime. We think a lot of that money is misplaced. Um, but um, so they were throwing how, a lot of money. Bob, how did Bob Gardner do? Bob Gardner, you know, that's a, uh, he was a 48.5. So he, he did not earn a passing grade. So he's an F or D. He's an F. On our well, so, well, so I mean, I always think it's interesting. We've got the word, the Western conservative summit coming up. And one of the features of the Western Conservative Center is Bob Gardner. You kind of go, all right, <laughs> thank God we got Bob Gardner <laughs> speaking to us after after his legislative year is an F. I mean, it's just <laughs> on our scorecard. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what he got on the Cut scorecard. There's another scorecard out out there called Cut Colorado Union of Taxpayers. I suspect it's similar. They focus more on fiscal issues. Ours is a little more broad. Um, but, um, maybe there's a well, scorecard out there that Bob Gardner. Tragically, well. Patrick Neville's leaving, right? This is, this is, he is. he's term limited. Sadly, six of the top seven people are leaving. There you go. Um, James Sandridge is just stepping away. Dave Williams is running for CD five. Kim Ransom is term limited as is Kevin Van Winkle. So the top seven, the A's and the B's, the only one left is Stephanie Luck. And she's oh. a sharp cookie. She's a, she's oh, yeah. I am. 
Well, and here's where number one, those districts and people live in those districts, it's important. And I think where where you guys are so useful is people say all kinds of things on the campaign trail and they say all kinds of things in town hall meetings. But then what you guys do with the Liberty Scorecard is it's just right there, right? It's clear what the issues are and you can compare and say, well, you said you stood for this, this and this. But when you look at the bills that you voted for, you voted for this, this and this and complete opposite. And I think that's one of the real things that people can do for the folks who aren't term limited out. Yeah, exactly. And I'm glad you brought that up. Our our, uh, website is libertyscorecardco.us. And if you go to that score, if you go to that website, you can actually click on a legislator. If you click into their profile, you can actually see where they've been strong strong or weak on different principles. There's a wealth of information on that. It's libertyscorecardco.us. So if you wanted to look at Bob Gardner and you know, figure out, you know, maybe he's, he's good on free markets or personal not this or, that, right. or something, but you know, he's not so good on fiscal responsibility. And I'm just, I'm pulling that out of my. Right. Well, know, and but, here's one, this is from Stephen saying the Western conservative summit is a scam. Tulsi Gabbard is not a conservative. That's true. And then how come Patrick Neville does not come any talk shows and even on this show, you want to take that chalk or you want me to. Sure. He's given up. Yeah. He no well, longer believes that the, that there's any chance in Colorado for grassroots conservatism, uh, he and his entire family are moving to Florida. And, uh, <laughs> entire family, I mean his father, his brothers, oh. the kids, uh, the dog. <laughs> the dog, the cats. <laughs> yeah, well, and I think... I, I think in, yeah, I, I think in part, Stephen, at least what the, what's been shared with us is that, I mean, he's paying attention to his district, so I don't think it's fair to say he's totally given up and he's working with the caucus, but I think Patrick has been sort of a thing. I, I know oh, he's working on the future he's given up. He, he sees no future for Republicans or conservatives in Colorado. So he's got, and, and, and Sue, so just so you know, Peg Cage put down, if anybody's listening, Peg Cage has a link. If you're listening on Zoom, you can see the link there in the chat room. Well, Peg, what do you, or Peg, Sue, so what do you see then? I guess, do you know even, I mean, any of, sometimes in the legislature, people just kind of shuffle around. People who work representatives become senators and vice versa. Do you have any sense of what it might look like? next year, or if not, then maybe talk about how important these upcoming elections are in November. Right. Well, you know, I don't have a crystal ball. Um, I do. I believe Mark Baisley is he maybe he was um, districted out of his House district. And I believe he's running for Senate. Um, There are a couple people that I think are promising down in El Paso County who might fill in for Shane Sandridge, Dave Williams. Um, You know, but but again, I don't I don't really I don't know any more about that than you do. And it's just hard to predict. But, you know, as you know, it's it's going to be a weird election year and anything can happen. If we could take back our state Senate, that would be huge. We need we need to put down a roadblock to all the bad legislation that the Democrats are running. So that's very important. We'd like to see more principled Republicans win some of those seats. Um but, As opposed uh, to rhino Republicans, I know you can't say that, but I can say that. <laughs> well, you know, the, the problem they have is now Catherine Murdoch, and they're doing it all over the country. It's just not Colorado. They have so much money, they, 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 they play in the Republican primaries. Now they play for secretary. That's a good point. That's a good point. They, uh, they went into the uh, Colin Larson, Justin Everett primary yes. and very hard very hard well i know and carl you said who's one of your advisors or does i mean carl honiger he was on our show talking about that blueprint 2.0 right where yeah. he talked about how the democrats play well looking then well, let me finish it what, what, what they do is they do not at least presently go after incumbent conservatives they wait till they're term limited out or leave their seat well you've just articulated there are going to be seven of the highest rated people who are not going to be running, they're, no longer, they're not going to be incumbents for their seats. So it's likely that those are the primaries they'll, they'll play in and they'll give money to rhinos and, and be able to distinguish between the rhinos and the non-rhino. Because I mean, you, you can look at, at let's say, HD8 um, um, and, and Barb Kirkmeyer says she's the strongest, you know, she's just bedrock conservative. Although you pointed out she gets an F. She gets an F. Um, and unfortunately, uh, grassroots have no money. Um, so getting that word out to the people in, in uh, HD8 that, that Barb Kirkmeyer is an F as far as principles of liberty, and she's not a real conservative, 
is almost impossible. But I must admit, at least at least we get you know when somebody you know we've known for a long time, but Barb Kirkmeyer is not very conservative. Um, but people say, well, why do you say that? At least right. you get, why don't you look at her principles of liberty score, and you right. can find out. Right. Yeah. Well, and, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. And and we, you know, we, we run the numbers, we provide the resource, we yeah, let people exactly. use that, use it as a tool or a weapon, however they choose to use it. Right, but, right. You know, we're collecting the data, we're paying attention. Oh, it's incredibly uh, valuable. It's incredible. Well, it is, and I think one thing, too, that we can't, uh, that I think, and let me ask you, if, unless I'm interpreting it wrong, one of the other things that happens is the more and more Democrats are in control of things, the more and more rhino Republicans we have who vote essentially with the Democrats, the bills are all Democrat bills to begin with. So if you're, you know, Patrick Neville and Stephanie Luck, you know, there's all their, I mean, their bills don't even get out of committee, right? I mean, they're, they're not even getting a chance in many cases to vote on good principled bills that, that say would get more people a vote, so to speak. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with you on that. Um, Did any I, any bill that you approved get out of committee? <laughs> wow, um, <laughs> probably. I have some notes. I uh, there's one on encouraging the use of geothermal energy. Actually, I All think right. we might have opposed that one because we don't like it when government tries to give special recognition, special <laughs> subsidies to a certain industry. We understand the intent of that bill. They're trying to get get people thinking about other forms of energy and, you know, other than solar and wind power. But um, to be honest, there is a whole concept that the free market could let that work. Right. I mean, if that, oh, okay. I mean, that yeah. would drive, that seems to drive everything. Right. If they would exactly. just let the free market That's do that. Right. We don't like it when they single out other industries for special treatment. And we, you know, even if it's something that we think is probably a good idea, we still don't approve it. We still don't think that it's a good idea to, to support any specific business or industry. It's just bad, just bad precedent. All right. Well, let me, I, I guess anything else. Probably no, I don't know. That I know. That's there, depressing. There probably were a few, but nothing big. <laughs> That's the depressing. You've gone out and given awards at the Western Conservative Summit and other places. You plan to do that this year? Uh, you know, we, the, the Western, our Colorado Christian does their own scorecard now. Uh, principles of Liberty used to be able to give out their awards. I approached um, Colorado Christian about doing ours, taking over for that, but then they decided to do their own scorecard and their focus is different from ours. They're more, uh, they have a lot more um, religious themes that they, that they try and give awards for. So ours is really the most comprehensive scorecard. in We rated 444 bills of the 657. When we don't rate a bill, it just means that it's either got conflicting principles or we just can't agree on it. The committee can't. it seems to me that this, maybe I'm out of line here, but the Western conservative, we're not going this year. So I, let me just say that, but it's, it's got several days there. You'd think if they wanted to the Western conservative summit, that they could squeeze you guys in somewhere. So I'm going to, our whole last thing was BS was on BS. I'm going to raise the BS flag on there saying, Oh, we have our own rating. So we don't need to see what you guys think. I'm just, I'm just going to raise the BS flag on that. Well, I know for my own purposes, I don't pay much attention. To, to cut scores because they're pretty easy to to uh, um, finagle with. Uh, but but when I have one wondering, you know, I don't know what what is this legislator? Um, how conservative are they? Principles of liberty. I go to that and I trust that. That's the one I really do. Kind of like yes, yeah. Because I've seen some cut scores from some pretty rhino Republicans that are high. Uh, but but here yeah, and we actually have three people who work on both score scorecards. So I don't know, you know, and I don't really look at the cut ratings every week. So I, I don't really know what the difference. Well, is I don't trust them. But you know, whether you their have focus people. is different from ours. Yeah, um, yeah. But, but we, we are actually sharing a table with another organization at the Western Conservative. Okay. okay. So people uh, who are going can come find you. Our, yeah, we'll be handing out our scorecard. Uh, please stop by and say hello. We've never done it before, but. Another group said, hey, do you want to join us? And we thought that would be a good way to get exposure. What's the other group? Uh, it's actually, it's the Republican Study Committee of Colorado. Okay. Well, good. So no, I encourage people, if you're down there, go stop by. And it's, I think it's more fun to have a booth anyway, really, you know, because you can mingle and stuff like that. All right. So, so one more time, your website, and then we'll let you go here. All right. It's libertyscorecardco.us. 
So it used to be Principles of Liberty. I know you keep saying that, Chuck. It's now mm-hmm. Liberty Scorecard. Same, yeah. same methodology. Um, you know, it's it's pretty much the same, same ideas, same principles, but at Liberty Scorecard co.us all right well what you do well, so thanks I think for all the work you guys do you, you do an invaluable job for all of us all right well thank you for the time i really do appreciate it oh, we appreciate it too thank you there's some more um if you're on zoom peg put the website down there too and i encourage you all to go take a look at it um steve Lundgren is saying maybe if patrick neville had only talked to dick wadhams he would not be moving or giving up on colorado <laughs> I suspect I suspect that might not have worked, Stephen. So, hey, why don't let everybody know we are taking um, Wednesday off. Wednesday is Rev's moving up celebration. He's moving out of fifth grade into middle school. I'm in denial about that, but it's a celebration. Mark Poff is going to be filling in on a, a, in for us. I mean, he already gave a tease. He was on the show Friday. So he's going to be talking about the corrupt grand jury system. And Chuck is like, maybe I'll skip the ceremony to give skip my two cents. I want to hear about that. <laughs> Hey, and then on Friday, I want to let you know, we're going to have Dr. Brian June depth on to raise the BS flag on this whole monkeypox nonsense. Um, unlike Joe Biden's position, we all need to worry about it. We do not all need to worry about it. Um, and he'll explain to go to, to a gay rave. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. For playing and going to a massive, they were talking about these rave parties in the Canary Islands, 80,000 people. I'm like, whoa. Um, whoa that's, a, so, that's, a, that's a party. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Super spreader. Talk about that. That's yeah, cool. so that's true. If you are planning on going to a to a gay rave party, you might want to listen to. Otherwise, you, it's not really something you need to be concerned about. Um, and he will, he will, Dr. Judep will tell us about that. Um, that's going to wrap it up for us. Chuck has to go do legal stuff. Legal stuff. Legal stuff. Want to thank um, Sue. Want to thank John Collin. Love having all of you guys on Zoom. Remember, you can always get the show and the podcast links to all of the formats at chuckandjulie.com. And thank the, you. Uh, dip- Heard trial will be wrapping up. Uh, we'll Ooh. be finishing the oral arguments by the time we get on. So I'll give my pronostication as to what <laughs> I think the jury will find. Now, anybody who's ever followed trials knows you never are right. Correct. <laughs> Even judges, you know, it's incredibly tough, but it's, you know, you got to be a betting person and throw in your, your two cents worth. Well, and I want to say we are not responsible. Karen Cataline is upset because she's now addicted to the trial. She said uh, thanks to Chuck. So we are, we are not responsible for anyone thing. becoming. I, I find myself, as Julia can say, you know, it'll be seven in the morning or eight. I'll turn, you know, <laughs> let me check in on how they're doing because a couple hours earlier. So it's nine or 10 there. And then, then, then four hours later, I go, whoa, 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 what happened to the day? What? <laughs> <laughs> Although then I say what happened, so I can't complain. All right, that'll do it for us. Thank you, TJ and everybody at BBS. We will see you all. Tune in for Mark on Wednesday, and we'll see you all on Friday. Take care, everyone. <laughs>